Welcome to the Slay podcast, where we dive into all aspects of female health and fitness. I'm your host, Louise Hazel, and in today's episode, we're going to talk about the very real topic of starting over. Let's face it, there's not many of us out there that are ferociously goal-driven and haven't had to rebuild from scratch at some point in our lives. Maybe you've had a divorce, maybe you've left your job, maybe you've moved to another country, or maybe you're building your first startup. I don't know many women that have had to endure all of the above within a short space of time and come out thriving at the other side. So joining me today is my good friend, former co-founder of Boss Babe, a new co-founder of Member Up, Danielle County, who's here to be giving us a masterclass on starting over. So if you're a female entrepreneur, a divorcee, or anyone else who has had to rebuild themselves from the ground up, then this episode is for you. Danielle, welcome to Slay. What a good intro. Thank you. I'm oh, excited to be here. Only the best, darling. Only the best. I'm so Ooh, glad that two you... Two Brits, I just realised. I know. I'm so glad that you can make it. Obviously, you're one month away from welcoming your first child. Yeah. So first and foremost, thank you for like, you know what I mean, fitting us into your busy schedule. I figured it would be easier now than <laughs> in a month's time. That's also true. <laughs> with a few sleepless nights on the cards. I love that. Um, Danielle, we're going to talk obviously about starting over. Now, all of those things are true, right? You know, let's, a lot has happened. I saw an Instagram post the other day which said that you'd had three jobs in the past, in like the past five years or something like that. Is that I've right? changed career three times. That's right. Now, that's a lot in and of itself. So then yeah. to mention some of the personal things I spoke about, like yeah. divorce, yeah. like you've had a lot going on in the past five years. Yeah. But the one thing that I wanted to start out with really was your conversation about what you were doing prior to Boss Babe. Now, you were a chiropractor. How did you end up transitioning away from being a chiropractor to founding Boss Babe? So, yeah, I grew up in the UK and um, decided I was always into, like, helping people. And so, naturally, that often leads you into, like, the medical profession um, straight out of school. So, I decided to become a chiropractor. Graduated when I was, like, 21. So, around, around like, 2010, 2011. Um, and got my first job and absolutely loved it. And I loved it because it was rewarding. You would see people kind of coming in in pain and then they would leave being able to walk, et cetera. And it was a really rewarding career for me. But as I kind of went through that career, I realized that whilst I really enjoyed helping people, I was getting very um, frustrated at being kind of helping one person at a time mm. as well as kind of being chained to a location. And it really kind of came to a head in 2016. And I, I see this a lot with most people. Um, a catalyst for change is either you're moving towards something you want or away from something that you don't want. Mm -hmm. um, something that's either pulling you or it's pushing you. And so in 2016, my dad, we went on a family ski holiday. My dad had a really serious skiing accident. He mm. um, basically fell at 60, I think it was like 68.9 mile an hour. That's fast. Um, that's fast. He fractured his pelvis mm. um, all the way up right through his hip and was helicoptered off the mountain. Mm -hmm. And he had to then undergo surgery and he wasn't allowed to come home until he was stabilized and told he wouldn't be able to walk for the next door, so even sit up for the next three months. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, um, you know, I was, like I said, out on that vacation helping my family, but then I had to leave when that week was up. Mm -hmm. And I realized that although I had financial freedom and although I loved my job, I didn't actually have true freedom to me. And what I started to understand myself as I headed into my late 20s, because you're a very different person, you know, who you are when you're, 18 or 16, 17, making that decision of what career you want to do. Um, you know, we all go through changes. And I realized that actually fundamentally what was important for me too was not just helping people, but to be able to create some freedom for myself. And location freedom mm -hmm. was actually more important than financial freedom. Got you. And so the idea of just being like stuck in a location was something that actually became... Um, not unbearable, but kind of felt like that. I was like, I just can't do this anymore. And so, you know, the degree that I'd done was very vocational. You study for a degree and you become a chiropractor. Like, what are the skill sets do you have? Mm -hmm. um, but I really always have had a very, like, can-do mentality. Like, I, I truly believe whatever you say is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Whether you say you can or you can't, you're going to be right. 
And so I was like, right, what skill sets do I have as a chiropractor that are interchangeable? And mm. I owned my clinic at that point, so I knew I had some business skill sets. And I'd also started to discovering, like most entrepreneurs, uh, most companies are born out of a problem that you have. I kind of felt very lonely mm. as an ambitious woman. Back in 20, um, so this is around 2016, 2017, you know, um, there wasn't necessarily the empowering affirmations that there are in common practice on Instagram and the internet now. It was very much like women don't talk about money, don't talk about pay rise, like, you know, don't say that you, like how crass of you to say that you want more and you're not happy with where your life is at. And so I realized though that through people that I was meeting that I wasn't alone in feeling like this. Mm -hmm. And so that really started um, a, a challenge for me to be like, okay, if I wanna create change, if I don't want a location-based business, what transferable skills can I take with me into another business that helps people still and helps people maybe with some of the other problems that I'm starting to have. So that's how the change shifted. Love it. So how did you, how did it come about that you and uh, Natalie actually met? So, and I, you know, obviously there's like a mixture of people listening. And um, I think what's really important to say is that most entrepreneurs like, oh yeah, they make out this story that they just start, had this company idea and they started it and it was all amazing. And so what happened actually for me was from 2016 to 2018, I was really trying to figure out what I could do. So I was trying stuff. And, you know, like the biggest thing that I see with most people is they procrastinate, whether mm-hmm. it's through exercise or whether it's anything in their life. Oh, I'll do that tomorrow. Or I'll do that when this, or I don't know what to do. So I won't do anything. But I, what I was like, was like, well, I don't know what to do, but let me figure some stuff out. So I'm like, okay. Heard about, you know, someone selling stuff on Amazon. I was like, googling this like buying courses and trying how to work out the sell on amazon I what were you about, selling on amazon well i actually never even put my first store out but i went into this course and i was choosing the products and all these pieces and then i learned about network marketing so i was like oh hang on a minute this amazon piece here like that's kind of i was actually looking at beard oils is what i was thinking but about you don't doing. have a beard i don't have a beard <laughs> but i was they teach you these formulas to find out like gaps in amazon trends so I was like, oh, I could do a beard oil. Um, my partner at that time didn't even have a beard either. So I was really going to test it. But I was like, when is the world is away? Um, and convinced my dad to grow a beard or something. Um, so then I was doing a um, piece of that. Then I looked into network marketing. Then I was like, well, hang on a minute. I could do business coaching. So I got a certification in business coaching. And then I um, signed up to a program where they gave you um, two free tickets to a conference in San Diego. Now, I was living... In the UK? So I was living in the UK at the time. I was working full-time as a chiropractor still. Like, I'm doing this moonlight. I'm doing it on the weekends. I'm doing it in the evenings. I'm doing it on my lunch break. Like, I was never, like, you know, giving anything up at this point. I was just like, okay, how do I start piecing this puzzle together? So I used some vacation time. I was like, right, I'm going on holiday. And I flew out to San Diego. I'd only ever been to America once before. So mm-hmm. it was a huge trip. It was like an 11 hour flight. Um, convinced my partner at the time to come with me. So we did this like kind of vacation in San Diego. And the woman who had invited me was friends with Natalie. Mm-hmm. Who then I, so then I met Natalie and then we became friends and then co-founder. She became the co-founder and boss babe with me. Um, so yeah, it was kind of like this mutual a meeting she was also kind of like she had a product-based business at the time she was also feeling very much like I was kind of like lonely as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. kind of feeling like there wasn't necessarily a place for us to congregate or to share some of our aspirations and so we just built up a friendship and over that time just kind of kept contact as I went home um, and this was September 2017 and then talk about giving things a shot by the February end of February 2018 we'd founded boss babe wow that's a very quick turnaround and then within our first year we did 1.4 million pow amazing so it was wildly successful what do you think about it that what do you think it was about you and Natalie that made you guys a winning team um I think that's what made us really good together as one 
we had different skill sets. What were so your skills? At that time, her skills was more social and marketing, and mine was more ops, product, everything else. Ops, product, finances, legal, customer services, like everything else, content that we would put, because we grew a membership, that's how we started, the society it was called. Um, and so she would focus on this aspect, then I would focus on this other part. And I would do that, like at that point, I was probably working about 80 hour weeks, because I was basically, she was eight hours behind me. So I was a chiropractor by day, and then I would literally, 9 a.m. in the in PST time in California, is 5 p.m. in the UK. Mm-hmm. So I would literally finish work and then start my next job. I've got a question. Mm-hmm. Would you run home with excitement to go and work on Boss Babe? And yeah. I say that because I remember when I was training for the Olympics and I had um, two part-time jobs to fund like my, you know, my training. And I would literally run out of Selfridges from my job in retail to the track. I was so excited at that point. Would you say you had that level of excitement about oh you? Yeah, and I think you have to. And, I, but I had that for everything I was trying to because I had excitement on two levels. I had excitement that I'd given myself the control to create a change. I often think the biggest thing that people rob themselves of is they give their power away. They were like, I can't do that. I can't possibly do that. And you're only taking it away from yourself. And so I very soon realized like any, I, I was excited about creating this change. I was excited about having an online business. So on the one side, I was excited about having an online business and how that would change the lifestyle and how it would help me move towards and away from the thing that I didn't want and towards the thing that I did. And then I was also excited because I knew what Boss Babe was creating was so needed. Mm -hmm. You know, it was actually really interesting. So I, you know, owned my practice, but I also owned it with some other people as well. We had like, we were the fastest growing primary healthcare brand in the UK. And the CEO was probably about 10 years older than me. And I remember him saying to me one day, he was like, oh, Danielle, I'm really worried about how ambitious you are and how, like, you're going to get hurt. And oh, I was dear. Like, what? Like, what did, like, I just I remember thinking, like, would you ever have said that to a man? Like, mm. no. Like, mm. I can't ever imagine that being said. And so I really felt lonely as an entrepreneur. Like, you know, the and just from the era that I was in and the place that I grew up which was like the middle of the UK and I was like living in wasn't living in big cities mm-hmm. I really didn't know um many women who were either running companies or the breadwinners at that point in their like family unit and so I found it really lonely when I was there saying okay well you know I'm earning really good money now and like I was earning more than my dad at the time yeah and being like, hang on a minute, but I want to earn more. Mm-hmm. I like, I want to build a bigger business. I want to um, create this bigger impact. How did and that I go down? I just felt down. really lonely in that. How did that go down with like your family members, your spouse at the time? My family members were, on, okay, so I'm definitely more of a doer than a talker. So I kind of just got on with it. Like, I don't think they knew what I was up to. Like, they were just like, okay, there's Danielle. She's working on the weekends again. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. they would just say I was like a workaholic. But that was nothing new. I'd always been like that since I was a kid. Like, I was always the kid that would study and whatever. Um, the biggest challenge I had was with my partner because he was, um, at the time we met when we were, I was 18, he was 21. And so we had been together at this point probably like 10 years mm-hmm. and he oh actually yeah we got married in 2016 so when it, the accident was in the february we got married in the june so that whole year i started having like a lot of um shifts in what i realized mattered to me mm. and he found that really difficult he was very much like why can't you be content with what you have or you have and i was like well i am content but i like growth and i realized that I don't know if any of you guys have ever um seen i also tony robbins's work but he does like these seven um like core, i can't remember what he calls them, like not core beliefs but like seven kind of seven core things and you rank them and sometimes significance one for someone like or 
um, certainty as one. Mm -hmm. And one thing that mine was, was growth. Like my number one value, my number one core value is growth. Do you remember what the value of your ex-partner was? His, I can't remember the top one, but his second one was certainty. Got you. And so that's what happened is like, I didn't, certainty was like the lowest for me. Mm -hmm. I I don't need certainty. It's yeah. probably what makes me a good entrepreneur because it's risky as hell. But, you know, I, he very much valued certainty. And so that way that became really challenging. And, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I would literally like sneak off. I felt like I was having an affair with my business. I would like sneak off to the bathroom to work. Um, <laughs> you said, like, I'm laughing, make, but I'm like, that's me. Yeah, I would like make excuses as to like, you know, and then I would work all day Saturday. And I can imagine like for someone who, you know, wasn't necessarily had those say core values that that's really hard to be around. That's really mm -hmm. hard to be with uh, when someone is so driven towards a pattern, something they're so passionate about. Mm. Um, yeah, that's, it's definitely like you're always, and I think any relationship you have to have shared goals. And I think we very quickly realized that our goals were like very, very different. Mm. I remember, um, I think it's a, I think, you know, when you're building something, you are so empowered. There's this kind of flow state, isn't there, where you just don't want to get off of that train. Yeah. That creativity is flowing. It's kind of moving through you and it's easy. I remember the first time I founded and started the Slay podcast. That's how it felt like. It felt like me and my podcast producer were just flying. And I didn't feel like I had much time for anything else or necessarily even wanted yeah. to do anything else it was exactly like I was exactly where I wanted to be um do you think there is anything that your ex-partner could have done to support you better during that period of time I mean yeah and I I will also say like you know I'm a big believer in like taking responsibility and like my half of the relationship because ultimately um it did break down and we got divorced we separated in 2020 mm -hmm. no 2021 and um, I will say like one of the biggest challenges, which I think will pro probably comes up for a lot of strong women is he very, very much struggled me being in my, in like my power. And um, he found, he became very jealous of like my work, mm -hmm. which was like the hardest thing for me because I really wanted someone to celebrate with my achievements and um you know in, in my my opinion my eyes what I saw was him being more um resentful of my achievements or as if my achievements were taking something away from him mm. and I ultimately think though as you you know you do get older and you do grow like if I looked back on it ultimately could we have ever got through that Probably not. Like, I think we're just fundamentally two different people. I think we both um, change significantly when you meet at 18. Um, but second of all, I think that there are some things where you're like, you know what? Like, we had these conversations and it's just a miscommunication mm -hmm. and we can get through this. But we just had a completely different value system. But I will say, like, I don't think my communication in my early 20s was the best mm -hmm. in a relationship. I think I was very, pa like... All of us. It was just, like, I just... I, I was just quiet. Like, I didn't really say if things bothered me or, like, I was like... I you probably, bottled like, it up. Yeah, I bottled it up. That's what it is. I bottled it up. It doesn't and then stay I bottled 30, for long. <laughs> and then it was just, like, yeah, no, I can't keep quiet anymore. <laughs> Got you. So, um... You exited Boss Babe yeah. this year. Yeah. Why did it end? Um, again, I think that I'm a big believer in people coming into your life for seasons. Um, in the sense of that I think you, you know, it's okay. Like people sometimes are, oh my God, like it ended. And like, if that's a bad thing, I'm like, no, that's an amazing thing. Like how awesome that I had this epic chapter and every chapter has to come to an end like whatever that part of your life is whether it's a job whether it's a relationship whether it's a friendship like whatever it is and so I think that people come into your lives at certain seasons and that's really amazing um, but ultimately when you're growing a business you have to have exactly the same vision for that business like it doesn't work otherwise and I think Natalie and I grew it initially 
in such a clear and quick way because we had um, really, really clear vision of what we were doing. We had um, like complementary skill sets and it was just go time. It was like, go, go, go. Um, and then as we were in our life, situations were very, very similar at that point too. You know, we were both married, both neither of us had kids, like that kind of thing. Um, and then I think just as you go through life changes, things your priorities start changing, your mm -hmm. vision for what company you want to create changes. And ultimately, we just had a different vision for that. Like I, I wanted the, I wanted Boss Babe to be a business for the people, like mm -hmm. all women. Yep. And I didn't want it to become a personal brand. Mm -hmm. And I think we just, it, it just became like, hang on a minute, like, we can't both, you, you just spend too long talking about the vision that then there's less execution. So it just became really um, like in a non-drama-y way, like just really obvious that it wasn't going to, we weren't going to support the business well enough as both being um, at the helm of it anymore. And I had other things that I was passionate about too and I was excited about. So I was like, hey, like I'm, I'm cool and, you know, always be so, so proud of what we achieved in Boss Babe and also excited for like the next chapter and to take those learnings into new companies and do new things. What so. was the best memory for you at Boss Babe? Oh my God, there were so many. Pin it down to one. <laughs> you know what? Oh, this is so hard. Can I have two? Yeah, go okay. on then. One, being in Owl magazine, doing a partnership with Owl as like a kid from the UK. Like Elle was huge, isn't oh, it? Oh, huge. Mm -hmm. And congratulations. Yeah, that was amazing. Like we did a partnership with them with clothes and it, that was just such a, such a highlight. And then honestly, the podcast, like I have never, I'm like really nosy, really. I'll ask Darius said this, my partner. He's like, you asked so many questions. I'm like, wow, I'm interested. And so the podcast is like the perfect place where you get to be nosy in disguise. Like Absolutely. no one's like, how dare you ask that question? They're like telling you everything. So I loved it because I just got to interview such brilliant minds. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's the thing I miss the most is podcasting. Yeah, I yeah. remember coming on and I was like, oh, Danielle did her research. But it wasn't even that. It was the fact that you were genuinely interested yeah. in athletics. You had genuinely seen me compete as an athlete. I watched you. <laughs> literally at the olympics and i was so excited to have you on <laughs> you know that for me was really refreshing because you know being a brit in la yeah. um never mind you know there are so many athletes in los angeles more importantly track and field athletes are really you know not particularly high up on the list of rankings it's basketball it's baseball so to have somebody who was from leicestershire literally the next <laughs> county on yeah. from where i live you know that was just really refreshing and it really made me feel like home yeah. so i just okay. want to say that experience alone you know being in podcast with you was amazing Aww, which is why you. i'm so excited about today yeah d what are you up to now my god what am i not up to <laughs> <laughs> um so i am like so passionate about um female entrepreneurship first and foremost and so what happens when you exit a business is first of all no one talks about this so I'm gonna share it you have a major identity crisis it is so weird like it's this thing that you've worked towards like exiting a business you're like oh my god I've exited amazing and then you're like well, what do I do now like who am I now like you know, what am I doing on a daily basis? And that actually was like, hit me more than I expected it to. Mm. I was like, wait a minute. So I was just like, well, what am I passionate about? Like, where do I want to give back and support? And so two things I really found myself is, you heard me at the beginning of this podcast say, when I first started in Boss Baby, I was very much on the operations, the product, the finances, the legal side. But over the five years running Boss Babe, um, I then went into content, um, running on the social media, and then I finished in marketing too. And I realized that, you know, I always avoided marketing because I felt like I wasn't a natural marketer. I felt like, oh, like, it's kind of hard. Like, I'm a, and I'm like a science girl. Like, I did chemistry and biology at like A level. I remember you talking online about imposter syndrome as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. So like being front facing. Yeah, I was like terrified of all of that. And so I was like, you know what? Like actually building, being a founder, it always like serves you well to understand marketing. Even if you're not the one executing it, you've got to be able to understand every position that happens in your company so you can ask the right questions. So I was like, let me just put together a weekly newsletter um, to support women in the marketing because, and I call it the 2% because only 2% of women founded businesses get to seven figures, which I just think is terrible and it sucks. I'm like, that, that statistic is not okay with me. We have to solve that. So every week I just send a newsletter and I started there. And then from there, I built a mastermind. So I was like, you know what? I have some more time now. So let me like do a bit more mentoring on like, like more of a one-to-one basis um with people who have multiple six-figure businesses or seven-figure businesses and we have some eight in there as well so I can help them scale it so I just started doing that um and then from there um you know I'd been in um I'd met Amy a lot she actually worked with Emboss Babe for a while and she'd been talking about member up and founding that and um so I joined there as a co-founder because um what I noticed if anyone's in the education space is it's really hard to find a place um, to host content and a community. When we first started in Boss Babe, it was like, oh, everyone was using Facebook groups. But now, and now with Instagram so big, like where do you have like communities accessible um, that people like think like you and, um, you know, you can learn from, etc. So we created a tech platform called MemberUp, which is all about um, a place to host your communities and create re- recurring revenue in your business. So what functionality exists in that app that or product that is unique? So obviously you can host your course on there, mm-hmm. which, you know, fabulous. But what makes yeah. it unique from that community perspective? Well, I... I'm hesitant to go too deep in it because I don't know like what like whether it's relevant for your audience but I will say one thing that I noticed a lot about Boss Babe is we used to be up against a lot of the men right and their sales pages or their marketing pages were always just like white and boring like with the odd bit of color and they used to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, our sales pages are converting at like 60% or opt-in pages are converting at 60%, etc. Sales pages, obviously less. And um, I used to be like, really? Like, that's converting? And then whenever we would do a basic one, like this white background, our conversion was terrible because guess what? Women care about aesthetics. They care about what things look like. They care about the beauty. They care about the attention to detail. And so the rival products for member up are things like Kajabi. And it's just it's just boring. It looks ugly. And so we really realized that, hang on a minute, first of all, beauty. Then we realized, you know, since that product was built, um, Kajabi and some of the rivals, tech has come on so much, but mm. also so has the importance of community. So they built with content first, like housing content. They didn't build with community first. That's why now another company called Circle exists. Um, and then they, you would try and plug these in and it was just starting to become like Frankensteining technology together. And so what we realized was, hang on a minute, there was a space for us to build a platform that not only was... Um, housing content but it integrated community and it looked beautiful and you could brand it depending on what your own colors were or your own places were um, and then we have some unique features to like encourage engagement in community and stuff like that but it was really born like again born out of a problem that we had so mm. um one of the things I wanted to know was you talked about identity earlier do you feel the same pressure to repeat the success that you had at Boss Babe with New Ventures? Ooh, good question. I kind of take it for granted that I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, Papel yeah, drops mic. <laughs> I don't even... I honestly just... I, I really, really buy into the fact... I always say building a business is 80% mindset and 20% skill. And this is why. Yes, you have to have skill set and you have to have strategy and those come into play. Mm-hmm. But there's a big misconception that people believe that in business, you do something once and it works. It's not about that. 
It's about your ability to keep trying when most other people give up. Mm. It's not about how many times you can hit, let's say we're playing darts. It's not about how many times you can hit the bullseye. It's how many times you can keep trying until you hit the bullseye and not run out of energy. Mm -hmm. Like that's the game of entrepreneurship. Like every single business that you admire, I promise you, nine times out of 10 of them did not start with that end in mind mm -hmm. they started like even if you think about slack that was born out of a video gaming company that was trying to solve internal communication then surprised. they were like hang on a minute now our friends are asking for this internal communication we now let's pivot the whole thing into slack right that's exactly why my brain does not understand it yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's just like I, I truly believe that if you don't quit, you can't fail. Mm. And every day, you know, like just, I think it's very, very similar to exercise. Like you have to keep going. And sometimes, you know, when sometimes you like exercising and like it takes a little while to see those results and all of a sudden you have that like hockey stick curve where you're like, wow, now I'm really starting to see it. I think business is like that. Like it, mm. it's sometimes it's like, you know, you're most people, you have to think like, okay, most people are going to give up at this point, but I'm not. And why am I not? And so I don't ever question like, oh, will I be as successful again? I'm like, oh, well, I'll make myself as successful again. Like, how do I fit? How do I figure it out? How do I pivot and twist? And how do I try things? And, and that's the other thing I talk a lot about in my newsletter is like with marketing and messaging or posting on social media. This is a great example. Posting on social media, people are like, oh my God, I did this one post and it didn't work and so I'm not going to post again. I'm like, posting on social media lasted 24 hours. Your whole goal is to look at your insights every time. Okay, that one did well. That one didn't do well. It doesn't mean the one that didn't do well is a bad result. It means that you look at that and go, oh, the audience doesn't relate to that thing as much. So let me go back to what they did relate to and let me do more of that. Or hang on a minute. Those two posts did, both did well. So what if I combine this video layout with this quote or this comment or this topic and combine them? Can I create something that becomes viral? And so it's permission to allow yourself to try things, tweak them and try again. I actually mm. watched your stories yesterday when you were, you were doing the box jumps, yes. right? And you were like, okay, I got, you got to 42? And then didn't do 45? Yeah, correct. Okay, right? Still killing so, me right now. So you jumped on a box, it was like 42 inches high, you made that one, you were like, right, I'm going to have a go at the 45 inches, right? You didn't manage to do it. But does that mean that you're not going to try again tomorrow? Are you going to give up now? I'm actually going to give myself seven days rest. And okay, I'll be back but you're going to go week. again, right? <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Exactly. And so it's the same concept that like business, entrepreneurship, Whatever it is, even in your career, if you're working up the ladder, it's not about trying once and then getting the result you want. It's about trying several times until you get the result you want. And that is okay. Mm. So I feel like the message that you're talking about here really isn't about so much starting over. It's about reinvention. So reinventing perhaps the you know what I mean yeah. reinventing the product reinventing the social media post so it's like taking the best of what you know you're already really good at but how do I apply this even yeah. harder in a way now that I have this experience even when it perhaps comes to relationships and stuff like that yeah because I'm never starting at zero again and this was the biggest thing I realized as a chiropractor people are like well how can you as a chiropractor, start an online business. What are your skill sets? Mm. Well, guess what? Might not mean you need to be clicking backs or diagnosing anyone in the online world, but I had transferable skill sets. I had really, really good empathetic skills, which meant I really understood people, which has always meant I'm really good at building teams. I understood operations from a brick and mortar player. So guess what? You can translate those same skill sets into an online business. And I think this is the, the thing that, a lot of women, you know, it's even been proven, like LinkedIn did a huge research project that women won't apply for a job unless they can do 100% of what's on the job description. Mm -hmm. Men will apply for a job if they can do 30% of what's on the job description. Absolutely. So how do we get to a place where we're like, okay, we don't have to be, we don't have to be perfect straight out the gate. We do get to evolve and we have transferable skills that might mean that I haven't done that exact job before, 
But guess what? I've done a job that's similar enough and I think, and I can advocate for myself having a transferable, transferable skill set into that now. And again, coming back to the message that I said at the beginning, you are like, you are what you say you are. It's mm -hmm. always a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so when you start to control how you speak to yourself in your mind, like what your, your go-to messaging is, that's when you really can create change. Because if I don't believe that I can do it, it doesn't really matter what someone else thinks. Like, they're not with me 24 seven. They're not like following me around going, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. They're not doing like, the work for you. Yeah, like you have to, you have to take ownership of your mind. And when you don't take ownership, you're giving your power away. Mm. And so when I take ownership for, okay, my marriage didn't work because of X, Y, and Z on my side, I can move forwards with that. And I can learn from that. Or hang on a minute, you know, that when I tried that in business, that didn't work this time. So I can do something about that because it's I, I, I versus like, oh, they did that to me. Mm -hmm. Then I'm giving away my power to ever fix anything in my life. So mm. I really just look at things in that light. And then that just gives you the ability to create the change that you want to see. So I have a question. How do you know when you are reinventing the wheel, when you are kind of like going back to the drawing board, mm. like how do you know when it's your, you know, when it's time to focus on something new, like shiny new thing, or you're reinventing something? How can you differentiate between, oh, am I just going off on a brand new tangent or am I reinventing what I already know? That's a great question. Um, there are a couple of filters that I put things through. Um, so number one, I would say I never act on a new idea straight away. So if I do have a new idea, I always just write it down. Me and you can't be friends. <laughs> You're like, right, I'll change it, go, let's go. Yeah, I always just write it down and let it sit there because then if I keep coming back to it, I know there's something in it. But sometimes what happens is if you're a creative, you just have a million ideas all the time. And so you want to just be like writing them down and then coming back to them being like, oh, you know what? Like, I don't think that one's going to work. Or hang on a minute, let me see if this one works. And so I then take it down, like I run the rabbit hole on it. So I'm like, okay, if I did this idea, let's now think about what's the market doing? Like, is this, is this a growing market um, or is it a market that's shrinking? Like, what's happening in the economy? Is this something that's going to be essential for somebody to buy? Um, let me see what the trends are on Google Analytics or the trends are on social media. Like, let me start exploring it. Okay, so those things are checking out. Let's say that I do want to do it. Let me go a, a level deeper. And so what does, um, what are the pros and cons of it? So I read a great book. It's like, start with the end. Mm -hmm. And so when I left Boss Babe and I was like thinking about my next, you know, ventures, et cetera, I didn't go, oh, what could I do? I was like, okay, what do I want to create in the end? Mm. Like, what is the life that I want to create? What legacy do I want to leave behind? How do I want to feel like, I've left this place better than I found it. And what are the fundamentals that are going to make that true for me? Mm. And so I started there and then worked back. And that was even like a case of me being like, okay, do I or don't I, you know, want to do a VC-backed company or a non-VC-backed company? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? And, you know, just having these like honest questions with what you want your lifestyle to look like. I always say to people like, you know, if you, if you aren't able to take accountability for your own actions, and if you aren't a self-starter, like you need someone checking in on you all the time, don't be an entrepreneur. Like mm -hmm. you're not, you're not going to like, you're probably not going to be successful at it. Yeah. So really be honest about the life you want to create, your personality traits to find out, okay, this is going to, what's going to serve me. So I kind of start with the end and then like meet with those things in the middle. I love that. You mentioned personality traits, um, which leads me on to a few questions about fitness, if I may. Mm. What are your winning daily rituals? With regards to fitness? Absolutely. Or? Lifestyle, health, fitness. Um, so it's a little bit different as I'm nine months pregnant right now because now walking up my stairs 
<laughs> is now exercise. I'm like panting by the time I live in like a three-story house. It all counts, like, darling. It all counts. Pa- panting at the top. Um, but prior to this, like I've always done the lemon water first thing in the morning. Like mm-hmm. for me, it's just like such a cleansing, clearing, grounding way. Um, and I'm very lucky. My partner will bring me a lemon water in bed, bless oh, him. Oh, <laughs> we love Darius. Yeah, Shout love out to Darius. Darius for the lemon water. Yeah, so I, I do that. I don't, I will go through stages of meditating in the morning mm-hmm. or not. One thing I will, and I'm always really honest about this, like I'm definitely a seasons person. I'll go through seasons of being like, okay, I'll do like meditations in the morning or I'll do a workout, I'll do my workout in the morning or... Um, you know, no meetings before this time, I'm going to read or I'm going to journal in the morning. But I never really do all of them at once. Like I'm not there with like an hour long morning routine. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. I like, particularly in California time and a lot of my team are like East Coast, etc. I kind of like to get things going pretty quickly. So normally I wake up at like seven, lemon water, shower, try and stay off my phone as long as possible. and have conversations with Darius. The night before, I always do my to-do list for the next day. So I already Oof. know. God, I wish I was that person. Sam, I, producer Sam's looking at me like, no. That oh, is- it's a game changer. Ugh. But I have a planner called, um, it's by Intelligent Chain, who, um, Intelligent Change, I can't say my word, Change, who did the five-minute journal. Go on. Give and they have one, it's like a productivity planner. Uh-huh. And I use that and it's like really simple. It's like your top one thing, then your top three things. And then there's like some other I areas below. I put I all that. of my to-do lists. I have literally in notes, to-do list. And I literally only put one thing in each day and that's it. But the problem is I forget to put the other bits in. Oh, I put everything down. Damn. I actually get a lot less stressed if I write everything on paper. Mm-hmm. Like, so this is a tip for anyone who struggles with to-dos but one thing that I really learned I do two things if I'm like overwhelmed with this you can try these things if you want I do a huge to-do list and then I look at it and be like right and I normally do this on my computer because I'm like what can I delegate and what can I get rid of and I try and get that cut that to-do list in half by delegation or I'm not doing it like there's a lot of things I ended up doing and I, I, I believe this always changes when you have kids. You end up being like way more like strict about your time. But there's a lot of things that I would do that I probably didn't really need to do at all. Mm. So I do that. And then if I'm feeling overwhelmed, um, I will write one thing at a time on a post-it note. So I just put one task and I'll like layer them and I'll just have that one task in front of me, do that, rip it off and then go to the next one. How And then satisfying. rip it off and do the next one. Can you do me so a social media video? I feel like an ASMR yeah. social Ooh. media post-it video. That's a good one. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I would I'll, absolutely I'll do love that. It. But then, and then fitness, I would like, I do pickleball because I enjoy it. Yep. And I would train like three, four times a week. Yeah. Now you've been but in the gym times. lifting weights, yeah. right? Like you've been, I seen you like seven yeah. months pregnant, picking yeah. stuff up. Um, talk to me about your relationship with training and, you know, what typically you, you, you know, prefer. We talked earlier just off camera about you always having like shredded abs. Has that <laughs> yeah. always because you... I mean, not shredded compared to yours. I just had a flat stomach. Let's say that. I mean, you were pretty shreddy. shredded, Danielle. <laughs> Come on now. I had a little tooth back at the top. You did. I was, I was holding on to it for about seven and a half months. Now you absolutely do. Gone. <laughs> but like, have you always been in the gym lifting yeah. weights? What's your journey been like fitness wise? Yeah, I've always exercised like ever since I was a kid and... I think the biggest thing that um, a lot of people let go of is like, do the exercise that you enjoy. Mm. And for me, for a long time, like school, it was like dance and sports, like basketball, netball, all the things. And then when I got older, it was like dance and gym. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit older, it was just the gym. Mm-hmm. And now I'm really in a period of pickleball. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy pickleball. And <laughs> um, yeah. Pickleball and the gym is like, but I also am not like, I, I really need accountability in the gym. Yeah. I got to be honest, like I'm a workaholic. So, and when I moved, when I moved, when I was in the UK, it was easy for me to do in the morning because everyone was asleep in the US. That's so interesting. But because California. I, I feel like LA has more of a gym culture than the UK. If anything, I find it harder to work out in the UK. I don't want me into the gym culture though. 
God, I just yeah. walk up to the gym. Like, <laughs> I don't talk to no one. I'm just like there on my own. But mm. like it, it just is like my work time is like here in the mornings is like everyone's messaging me. So it's like very hard for me to go to the gym. So I like much prefer to go to kind of the gym like later on. Mm-hmm. I'm more of like a 5 p.m. 6 kind of 6 p.m. kind of gal. But I need someone to drag me away from my desk. So that's mm. why I like going with my partner. But he likes 1 p.m. So I had to we had to compromise for a little bit there. I actually bumped into Darius in the gym just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. He was going pretty hard. Yeah. Pretty hard. He, so. he is very much like psychologically has to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. I'm not like that. Like it doesn't, I'm like, I go to the gym to keep my body fit. Not yeah. because I psychologically need to. Whereas he's like, I'm going crazy because I'm not going to the gym. See, that really surprises me because I think of yeah. you as like complete overachiever, like you know workaholic like that mental energy must need somewhere to go like what the hell does what do you do to unwind unwind what is that concept (laughs) (laughs) i no, honestly i'm like a big social person so for me like unwinding is like and that's why i love living in la like Mm -hmm. all of our friends like i just like that for me is like my unwind. I always go out every day, so like a walk or a hike. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't necessarily find, I always feel better after the gym, but I don't go, I get people who go to unwind. That isn't why I go to the gym though. Got you. I'm gonna, my mission is to get you to that place. Okay. Yeah. Like I can't, literally what? my whole body is just like twitching. I'm twitching. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean like, you don't unwind in the gym? Yeah. We're going to give you some exercises yeah, that make it. you really okay. just, I think the thing of interesting thing about fitness is I think everybody has a fitness personality. Mm. And if you're not tapping into your innate physical athlete, mm. then you're not channeling all of that power that you, you know what I mean? That you inherently have. Like everyone can feel really turned on by the gym if they're doing the right exercises. Fact. So my like gym this. is to my gym. My mission is to turn you on in oh, the gym. Oh, okay then. But that's a whole another podcast episode. Well, I'm ready for it. I love it. Um, Six weeks postpartum. I'm I, here. I can't wait. I absolutely <laughs> can't wait. Um, Dee, how are you feeling about um, pending pregnancy, becoming a new mum? Like, is there anxiety, excitement? Where are you at? A mixture, like anxiety <laughs> and excitement are actually the same physiological like sensations and neuropathways. It's just how you interpret them. So both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's as an achiever, um, I, <laughs> I feel like I've got been given a job description. I begin of a job and I don't know the job description. Hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, so what, I don't know really like what my boss is going to be like. I what, don't know the KPIs. What like, are the hours? <laughs> what are the hours? <laughs> yeah, like, you know, what's the team like? You know, there's a lot of unknowns and I think it's really teaching me to surrender. And I've been doing a lot of acupuncture and chiropractor and really trying to like drop into my body and I've also done like hypnobirthing and I would say that's kind of one of the things I've learned there is like learning to control um any anxiety or anything like that and again Mm -hmm. it's like another way to control your mind Mm-hmm. and to retain good harmony so it's the pregnancy's already taught me so many lessons so yeah I'm i can't excited, wait excited and daunted by the challenges i can't ahead. wait and i'm so glad you're going first <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm sure oh, i love it okay d i've got a game for you it's okay. called boss or babe so <laughs> I'm going to reel off 10 people, prominent, like, you know, public figures. And you're going to tell me whether you'd like to be in business with them or friends with them. So if you want to be in business with them, boss. If you want to be friends with them, babe. Wait, what if I don't know them? (laughs) I'm so bad. Then get the hell out of it because, like, (laughs) they're all pretty famous. Okay, Paris Hilton. Oh, wow. She is a boss. She is like a billion-dollar empire. Amazing. What's she sell? She franchise. She licenses her name. It's at, ah. she like you actually don't realize how much it got into licensing with Boss Babe. So there's she has a big licensing company. She's a very underestimated entrepreneur. I knew I'd love this game with Danielle because you're gonna yeah. get all the insights. Kim Kardashian. Boss. I think she's a smart businesswoman. I've seen the I I've seen the Kardashians. Sometimes it's a little bit toxic for me. 
<laughs> so I'm sure she's a lovely person, but sometimes I think she might scare me as a friend. <laughs> the honesty. So I think I'd rather be in business with her than her friend. The honesty. Oprah. Oh my gosh. I don't, I think, that, can I have her as a mentor? I don't know if I would do business with her now. I, maybe as a babe, because I feel like I would want to learn a lot from, but more like, yeah, more like a friendship way. I don't think me and Oprah are going to be aligned with the type of business that we would want to do at this point in our lives. So maybe a babe, but I'm going to ask her as my babe to give me some mentoring along the way. I'm having way too much fun with <laughs> I'm really thinking about this. <laughs> Meghan Markle. Babe. I don't think I'm, yeah. Excellent. Taylor Swift. Ooh. I think it's though I'm not really like a boss and a babe. <laughs> Pick one. <laughs> you know what? I mean, anyone who can write songs like that and perform like she does, boss. Hey. Yeah, for sure. Beyonce. Oh my god, this is so hard. Because <laughs> like you can just see like there's so much like opportunity with all the things um i don't know though maybe more of a babe with beyonce got you alex cooper <laughs> um i would say babe i would love to have know some of the stuff that she bleeps out for her <laughs> <daddy>. <laughs> just to be a fly on the wall yeah mel robbins well she's my babe <laughs> oh we love mel uh celine dion God, I never thought about her in that way. Curveball. Yeah, maybe it's a babe. She can sing to me. We love singing. Sing at my wedding. <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh. Mm, boss. Because what she did with Goop was really ahead of its time. And it's a media company that I really admire that then they productized. So I think she knows her audience really, really well. So boss for sure. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Fire. Danielle, that concludes our Slay podcast. Thank fun. you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. That game was so cool. I, th I think that's... I'm really still thinking about my answers. I know, too. you're going to go fun. away. You're going to be like, hmm. Everything's possible in LA too. Imagine yeah. if I just manifested some of that. Yeah, you could be... Um, Business partners with... with Celine Dion. <laughs> there's, one, there's ones on there I'm more excited about. <laughs> having me hand we love you Dee. thank <laughs> you for coming on that concludes this episode of slay i remember a quote once that said in order to have it all you must be prepared to give it all up stay tuned for more empowering discussions on female health fitness and life you can follow me at louise hazel and you can follow danielle at danielle county on social media and check out the slay brand at slay athletic now, don't forget to subscribe to the Slay podcast if you haven't done so already on Spotify. And you can get all of the tools and resources that are mentioned in our podcasts on the Slay app. Download it now for free from the App Store and join our online community.